Well, welcome. Glad that you're here today, wherever you're at, tuning in, watching along with us, or here with us live. My name is Pastor John. I am the pastor of the Moon Campus, and I am so excited to share with you today. If you uh, have been following along with us, we've been in this series, Strength and Weakness, going through 2 Corinthians, and we're going to continue on. So if you got the Bible app, you can look up on the events page. You can see Pathway Church and follow along there, or in your own Bible, or uh, on the Pathway app. You can follow along with everything we're going through. We're going to have some fun. I'll, I'll let you get to know me a little bit more. Some of you may only know me. I know I was up at Chippewa this past weekend and someone was like, oh yeah, you're the video guy, right? You may know me just from videos that I've done, but you're going to get to know me a little bit more as I share from this passage and tell you a little bit of a personal story. See, I, I, I like to imagine that I'm a pretty average typical male right? That's, I, I just seem to fit the stereotype, right? I got like three outfits that I wear. Um, I, my wife tells me I don't listen to her when, I t when she's talking. Um, I like sports. And it's not that, that like girls can't like sports and all men don't listen to their wives, but I seem to fall into those stereotypes, right? And one of the biggest stereotypes that I fall into as a man is that I absolutely hate reading the instructions like, come on, I got to read instructions? I am a man. I can make fire. I can, you know, I can build those Ikea desks with those tiny little tools. I don't need this. I'm a man, you know? And I feel that way about myself. But raise hands. How many are like that, and that's gotten you in trouble before? I see a few, right? It's gotten me in trouble more times than I can count just because I don't like to read the instructions. For instance, for a lot of years, I was in youth ministry, and I like to do a lot of crazy stuff and just have fun with the students. And one New Year's Eve, we were having a New Year's Eve party, and I'm like, I want to have a New Year's Eve pool party. That was my plan, a New Year's Eve pool party. There's a couple problems with that. You know, I don't know what kind of churches you've been to, but most churches don't have a pool, right? So yeah, that's kind of hard if you're going to have an event at the church, a pool party. The second problem is, even though I was in Arizona at the time, it still gets really cold at night on New Year's Eve. But that didn't deter me. I had this plan. We, we bought this inflatable swimming pool, and we're going to put it on the screen. You could see, bought this inflatable swimming pool that we were going to put up in there and just have a great night. There was a problem, though. Right here, this looks good. It's starting, and it seems like an inflatable pool. How hard can that be, right? You just fill it up and then put water in. No, not with this one. Should have read the instructions. Probably 15 minutes after this picture, water started going over the sides, and I flooded the church a little bit. It was just, just a minor little problem. Read the instructions, figured it out. Everything was good. I got in a little bit of trouble, but, you know, you're a youth pastor. They expect that of you, right? Just, just a minor thing. This last Christmas, I had this other experience. My mother-in-law decided that it would be awesome to get our kids this little indoor trampoline. You can see that right here. This little indoor trampoline. And I'll tell you what, this is pretty awesome. The kids, especially Western Pennsylvania winters, you can't play outside a lot. Uh, so this is so great for our kids to just get some energy out. And so, like many parents, I am in charge of putting this together on Christmas Eve. And so Christmas Eve, you know, it's a long day. You got Christmas Eve services, all that stuff. And so the kids go to bed, and finally, it is my time to shine. As a dad, I'm putting stuff together, and I'm like, this is pretty straightforward, right? You got like some, some curved pieces, and you got some legs, and then you got this trampoline. It seemed pretty simple. So I go to work, and I'm doing this thing, and uh, I get all the curved pieces together. I put the legs in. It seems to be doing okay. Then I start putting the bungees on. 
And as I put a bungee on, a leg on the other side of where I'm working falls off. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I go to the other side, put the leg back on. I continue to work. I'm putting the bungees on, another leg falls off. At this time, I'm getting a little frustrated. At one point, a leg fall, fell off on one side. And I go to put the leg in on that side and on the opposite side of where I was putting the leg in, like three legs fell off. And it was then where I made that audible like, oh, you know what I'm talking about, where you're just frustrated. And it's like 2.30 in the morning on Christmas Eve, and I'm like, this is not what I want to be doing. And my wife hears this, you know, and being the good wife that she is, she comes down the stairs, and she's like, John, what's wrong? And I just say, I hate your mother, right? And, and so we're, you're getting to know me a little bit more. You know now that I'm a sinner, and I have feelings and emotions that sometimes aren't what Jesus would want. But in that moment, I felt like they were justified. I was so frustrated. And Marcia, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. Um, you guys, I was so frustrated. And she comes downstairs, and she's just like, well, let me see if I can help you. And of course, I like kind of roll my eyes because I'm like, what is she going to do? Obviously, like it's a trampoline. How hard is this? And at least, you know, misery loves company. So at least we'll be together doing this. So we're working on it. And she, she looks over and she's like, what's this bag of screws for? And I'm like, I don't know. And, and I, you think I'm, this is a true story. This is actually how it happened. She's like, what's this for? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, you didn't read the instructions? I'm like, no, I'm a man, right? And, uh, and she starts to look through the instructions. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, those screws were to help keep the legs from falling out. If I'd only read the instructions. And today, as we talk about this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to just emphasize this fact that sometimes we make things a little more difficult because we don't read the instructions. I have a sister who's a missionary and, uh, just outside Bogota, Colombia. You know, real safe place for a single lady who's a missionary. If you don't know Bogota, they're known for coffee, but they're also known for, like, you know, drug smuggling and stuff like that in the cartel. Um, and she's there as a single lady, as a missionary. And I, I remember a few years back, I'm having a conversation with her, and she says, John, life is easy. All you have to do is trust in God. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand how hard I have it in America. You know, I'm, like, complaining to her about what's going on. And, and I don't want to make it like simplify it too much, but the fact of the matter is, like life, you know, it can be really easy if we simply read the instructions that God has given us. And I know some things can be tough. Like we all lived through 2020. It has historically was a terrible year. But I think sometimes we make this more complicated than we need it to be. So that's what we're going to talk about today in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 as we continue on. God gives us this guidebook, and we're going to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I love it because I think it's so simple and so clear. So here we go. Let's go. 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Okay, so we're going to have to kind of backtrack and, and review a little bit. If you've been here for this series, you may remember this. If you haven't, you catch up a little bit. There, there was something going on with Corinth here. And Pastor Jeff has talked about this, where the people in Corinth were a little frustrated with Paul. Initially, he was doing this missionary journey, and he started in Corinth. He had this plan to come back to Corinth. But along his journey, 
like stuff changed, plans changed, and he, he's free to do that, right? But the people in Corinth, if you remember, they were a little bit frustrated with this. And they're just like kind of whining to Paul, and Paul's like, dude, I did nothing wrong. And again here in chapter 3, we kind of see this, this visual that they're a little bit upset with Paul because they're like, well, well, who is Paul? Like, how come he's able to write this letter and why should we listen to him? And he's like, dude, and he talks about this being this letter of recommendation, like you guys should know me. And this letter of recommendation is like a cultural thing, right? Here in America today, we don't need letters of recommendation. Like you guys don't need a letter of recommendation uh, from me. If you wanted to know about anybody, like stars, if you're on social media, like Tom Brady, he's got a blue check mark next to his Facebook page, right? Some, some, any superstar, if they're actually who they say they are, they have a blue check mark, verify themselves. But I'm not a big name guy. Like, you guys, I don't have a blue check mark. That'd be awesome, but it's not, no one would know who I am outside of that. But if you Google my name, you can certainly find out. We'll show you. If you just Google, this will come up. John Gott, right there. Doesn't it look like me? I'm an offensive lineman for the Canadian Football League. And you can read all about me. Okay, no, but that's the top guy. You know, there's a lot of similarities right there, I guess. Uh, but you can Google John Gott. And if you use the name that my mom calls me when I'm in trouble, Jonathan Gott, you can actually find a lot of information about me. You could see my home address from right now, from years ago. Like, I, I searched once and I found my old phone number from when I was a kid online. Like, if you haven't Googled your name recently, it's crazy how much information is out there about you. And so we have that nowadays. You can just Google anybody, kind of figure out who they are. You don't need letter, letters of recommendation. But in those days, it was kind of a thing to recommend someone. In fact, Paul did this with Phoebe, Romans uh, chapter 16. I think we got it on here. It says, I commend, you to our, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. See, Paul here in this passage, he's writing a letter of recommendation for Phoebe. Right? But Paul in our passage in 2 Corinthians, he's like, I don't need a letter of recommendation. You are my letter of recommendation. I started this church. You guys know me. There's no need for this letter of recommendation. So that's how he starts, okay? And then he goes on in verse 4. He says, such confidence we have through Christ before our God. Not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. And that's our first point here today. Our competence comes from God, and that should be incredibly encouraging to each of us here. I don't know, like, there's something about our American culture where we, are, we find our value in different things. And I don't know what it is in, in your little uh, area where you feel like, this is how I'm getting my value. Some of us, it's work. I know for men, a lot of times, we find value in, in our work relationships and how well we're doing at our jobs. Some of us, it's, it's in our parenting. Or if you're a student, it could be grades or an athlete, how well you do in sports. But we always have these things, like we compare ourselves to see how good we're doing. And, and it can be a real struggle. Because I hate to say it, there's always going to be someone better than us. And so this verse can be incredibly encouraging because our competence comes from God. And I'll tell you what, today this verse is incredibly encouraging to me. 
I think about this, like, who am I to be here sharing this message with you, right? My dad, he's a blue-collar guy. He went to three days of college and dropped out, right? I, that's, that's just how I grew up, pretty simple, like, all this stuff. I, I think about Pastor Jeff. This, we celebrated 22 years. His 22nd anniversary was this past week. Like, how crazy is this? This guy's been up here teaching the Word of God. There's so many watching today who've known Christ longer than I've been alive, who've been studying the Word. And so as I think about that, it can be overwhelming. Like, who am I to share this message with you? But then I have this verse that's a great reminder. Our competence comes from God. You know what? He knows that I'm a sinner. He knows everything about me. He looks at me and he says, John, I love you. And our competence comes from him. My competence comes from him. It has been a crazy year, right? We've made plans. We've canceled plans. We've lost loved ones. You know, we, some of us have lost jobs. It's just our relationships have been tough. We've been socially isolated or just isolated with our families. And I tell you what, as a parent isolated with my kids, there are times where I'm like, man, I'm not a good parent, I just felt that, like, why am I getting so frustrated? Well, I've been with my kids for, like, three months inside a house. Like, we're just, we're always going to fall short. And it can be overwhelming as we experience these things and, and, and look around at people doing better than we are in whatever way that is. But we have to remember our competence comes from God. And that's incredibly encouraging. But it gets better. It gets better. He keeps going in 2 Corinthians, uh, starting in, chapter, in verse 7. He says this, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in, the, in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation, condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Did you guys get that? I mean, there's a lot going on right there, right? We're, it's, but it is so good. We're going to dive into that. But before we do, just a little fun part of that whole thing right? A little fun. So if you're, if you're like, you know, taking notes or you're like, this could be on the test, this won't be on the test, trust me, this is a little bonus, a little fun thing. Maybe if you do trivia, this is a good one. There's a part in here about Moses, and it talks about Moses and how people couldn't look at him because of the radiance. Well, there's this whole thing that comes from Exodus chapter 34. After Moses was up on Mount Sinai with God, he was getting the Ten Commandments, he was with God, and because he was in the presence of God, it says he came down, and in, 30, in chapter 34 of Exodus, it talked about the radiance was shining off of him, and the people couldn't look on his face because of that, so he had to put a, a, a veil because of the glory that was on his face, the radiance. And so in Jewish culture, in a lot of ways, they passed on this tradition that this radiance, the word for radiance is actually, could be the same one used for horns, so I don't know, maybe you've seen this. Let's show this on the screen. There's lots of Renaissance paintings and, and sculptures that have Moses with horns. Have you guys seen that before? Did you know why that came from? It's because of that passage right there. The radiance coming off of Moses and they, the, the traditions passed along was, was like horns. And it's like, that's weird. I don't understand. How do you get that? But this next picture, I think, kind of gives you a better idea. Look at how the radiance is coming off of him. See how it looks like horns? Maybe that's what they were thinking at the time. 
But you have all this stuff where Moses is depicted. And so you'll see this thing where Moses is depicted as being with horns. See, wasn't that fun? Right? Not going to be on the test, but kind of a, a cool little thing. You could share that at the next family gathering. Did you know people thought Moses had horns? Like, that's cool. Well, getting back into it, because this is good. All right, I don't want to miss what's in here. See, it says, okay, in, uh, in these verses, it talked about glory or glorious. Did you see all those things? There was a lot of words, but it said glory or glorious. And I counted them for you, so you don't have to. I counted 10 different times that it talked about glory or glorious. And it's talking about this glory of the Lord. And this glory of the Lord, it's kind of weird, okay? I, I think about this idea of the glory of the Lord. And even as I say it, I want to be like an old-timey preacher, like the glory of the Lord, right? It's so this like thing, this like glory. Yeah, it's it's kind of mystical. I don't know as you, as you think about it. But it, it's very important that we understand it. So we think about the glory of the Lord. But first, we want to talk about the idea, our second point. So our first one is our competence comes from God. Our second point is our job is to reflect the glory of the Lord. What is this glory? You know, we really want to get into that. So I want to look at Psalm chapter 24, verse 7 says this. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he? The king of glory. The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. So there's two ways that we see God's glory. Two ways we see God's glory. The first one is we see it through his creation. And this is the obvious one. We see God's glory through creation. I'll tell you what, I love living in the Pittsburgh area, being a little bit closer than up in Chippewa, but in Moon, I live there. We get to go into, into uh, Pittsburgh, and you drive down 376, right? And you go through the Fort Pitt Tunnel, and you, you get through the tunnel, and boom, it's Pittsburgh. I remember when I visited, John Western took us through that tunnel, and it's like, welcome to Pittsburgh. And you're just like, this is awesome. Right? It's this amazing view, but it's nothing compared to going out in nature and seeing God's glory. And I know wintertime in western Pennsylvania is hard to really be like, let's go out in the freezing cold and see the gray. Like, okay, I understand, but for reals, I grew up in the desert, southern California, then I was in Arizona, right? I was in the desert. Springtime comes around, and you realize this is why people say they fall in love in the springtime, right? The sun is out, and it's longer, and there's green. I drive from Moon to Chippewa, and it's so green. You guys, there's so many different shades of green. It's incredible. Or how about the fall and the, the leaves changing colors? And you just look around, and you're just like, man, God is awesome. And I don't know where it is that you've been, that you've been able to see God's glory in nature. I'm sure there's been a time, maybe you've been to the Grand Canyon, you looked out and you're like, holy cow, that's incredible. Or maybe Niagara Falls, or I don't know the places, but there are so many places that just display God's glory through nature. But then it talks in, in uh, Psalm, it talks about lift up your heads to the heavens. It says the heavens declare the glory of God. So we could see it, you know, with our own eyes if we, you know, just drive around and we could look. But even beyond that, in the heavens, the glory of God is on display. And I have a picture here of what's called the Lagoon Nebula. 
And I want to look at this lagoon nebula here. Um, this is incredible, right? I, just out there in space. This is 4,000 light years away. This is a picture taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. And if you just want to be in awe of the glory of God, just look up some images from that. Well, this is the Lagoon Nebula here. It's 4,000 light years away, and we'll put that in perspective in just a second. And it's just gas and dust and all this stuff. But you go from uh, one side to the other, it's 33 light years across. Okay, this thing is massive. To give you perspective on that, from the Earth to the Sun, it is, I wrote it down so I didn't forget it, 0.00001557 light years away. Right? And this is 4,000, and what we're seeing is 33 light years across. This thing is huge. It's declaring the glory of God. Man, we could look out at so much in, in space, and we see the glory of God. And we think about as, as awesome as that view in Pittsburgh is, you guys ever drive downtown? They're still constantly working on it, right? And it took years and years to, to build all those buildings. God spoke. He spoke and things were put into place. Like how incredible is this? The heavens declare the glory of God. So we see God's glory through creation, but we also see God's glory through his perfection. It sets the standard for how we should live. Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's glory is in his perfection. Because he has all this good in him that we can't even comprehend while we're here on this earth. When we were born, we were born into sin. And if you've, if you've been around kids for any certain amount of time, you don't have to teach them to be bad, right? We all have sin. It's just part of our human nature. The only way that we can experience even part of God's glory in his perfection is because of Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, then instead of having that nature of sin, God gives us Jesus, and that blood from Jesus, it covers our sin. Right? And then we can see a little bit of God's perfection and experience the glory of his perfection. And I think it's, it's so interesting as we look at this. We talked about Moses, right? Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. And as he's there with God, he actually asks, God, I want to see you. And God's like, you can't even, because if you saw me as a human being, you would be struck dead. And in Isaiah, you see this, this picture of him being called up into heaven and being before God. And the angels are shouting, holy, holy, holy. And he's there before God. And what is his response? His response is to fall down and be like, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And an angel has to come and touch his lips with this coal to, to purify him. Why? Because we can't even begin to comprehend the glory of his perfection, how good he is. We can only see it partially while we're here on this earth. And I think what's incredible about this, as we think about Moses and how just being with God shown off of him, what did Moses really do? He did nothing. He just took notes. He just took notes. But just being in the presence of God, it, he grew horns, as some people would say, right? The radiance was shining off of him. And now, as we look through 2 Corinthians, you see this whole idea. When we're born, it talks about this veil that we have. We can't really see everything. They couldn't look on Moses' face and God's glory because they were sinners. And we have the same veil, but when we 
put our faith in Christ, now we are able to remove that veil. We are able to have a relationship with the King of glory. And it's this incredible thing. And I want to just think about this. We talk about looking at nature and experiencing God's glory. And, you know, there are times or maybe when we're in church and we, we're singing a worship song or something's happening and we, we just have that experience of God's glory. You're in nature and you look out and you're just like, God, you are so incredible. I am so small compared to you and you just can't help but maybe not even audibly but in your heart you just worship him. Or as you're singing songs in church, you just worship him or whatever that case is. We have this experience and understand God's glory. But more often than not, do you know what happens? We get so busy with what's going on around us, right? We go out to nature. We see this amazing sunset. We take out our phone and we click a picture. We put a filter on it and we post it on Instagram. And it's like we, we're not stopping to understand how great the God who created this is. We convince ourselves somehow that Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Or we tell ourselves, man, if I only won that $1 billion Mega Millions prize, or maybe if I had just put two days ago, put my stock in GameStop, I would just be happy finally because I'd have all this money or whatever this is. Maybe it's this promotion at work. And we get these ideas of, this is what will make me happy. This was what will make my life good. But the only thing that can make our lives good is if we're in the presence of God because that is what's good. And we simply don't take the time to just be with God. I want to look back at Psalm chapter 24. It says this, or in verse 9, it says, Lift up your heads, lift them up, that the King of glory may come in. And when's the last time we just stopped to be with God? Just, just looked around, just saw what God was doing, just examined our own heart or life to just be with God. It goes on in 2 Corinthians, he finishes this in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 18. It says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. We should be transformed by the glory of the Lord as we are with him. As I mentioned in the case of Moses, what did Moses do? He did nothing. He took notes. But just being with God, he grew horns. Like he, he had this radiance. He was transformed because he was with God. You guys, as Christians, if we call ourselves Christians and we say, yes, I have a relationship with Jesus, we should be transformed and continue to be transformed. And when people see us, they should be like, there's something different about you. And so often that's not the case because we don't spend time with Jesus. We're like, okay, good. I'm, I got this get out of jail free card. And we go on with our lives. We show up to church once a week or whatever that looks like. And we're like, everything's good. Like, when's the last time you just were with Jesus to experience the glory of God? Whether it be in nature, whether it be in, in your car, just putting on some worship music. And allow him to transform your life. We could complain all we want about what's going on in this world. But we can't change the world if we don't first change ourselves and allow ourselves to be changed and transformed by God. And so that's my encouragement for you today. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. I don't know when the last time you just were just with God. 
But I would encourage you to take some time, sometime this week, to just be with God and allow him, as you're spending time with him, to transform your heart. That people look at you and they're like, man, there's something different. Just like when they looked at Moses and they're like, man, I see horns coming out of that dude. That's so weird. And I would encourage you again today. I I don't know what's going on in your life. These instructions that we have through the word of God, they're so incredibly challenging. We make our lives more difficult. We simply need to stop and read the instructions to be with him. And there's so much that I could say to continue on and challenge. But I'm like, man, let's let God just challenge your hearts. And you did a great first step by coming to church, by listening wherever you're at. But I want to challenge you, take that next step in your walk with Jesus today. And maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not quite sure where I'm at. I know about Jesus, but I'm not quite sure if I know like how I'm going to get to heaven or what, what this Christian life is all about. We'd love to talk to you about that. Whatever, wherever you're listening, if you're in a venue, if you're watching online, you can email me, jgodatlifeatpathway.com. We'd love to talk to you about how great it is to have a relationship with Jesus. Don't miss the opportunity. We, we get so caught up. Life can be really simple. We just got to trust in him. We got to spend time with him. Let's pray. And Lord, I thank you for this word. As we look at 2 Corinthians, this challenge that you have for us. It's so easy to get down on ourselves to think we're not doing good enough. And you look on us and you love us and you say, man, your confidence comes from me. You are good enough because of Jesus. And we're so thankful, Lord, for that this, today. And Lord, as we think about your glory, forgive me for the times that I just get so busy doing other things and and with life in general that I don't stop to just be with you. And I ask that you would help each and every one of us this week, that you would work in our hearts, that we would take time to just be with you and that you would transform us and that we can make a difference in the world because of you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.